17 verses 1 to 10 from the ESV. And he said to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at the table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterwards you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what he was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Amen. Good evening. Thank you for your hospitality. Lord, I just pray that you prepare every inch of our hearts, Lord to receive what you have for us tonight, Lord. Help me to communicate way, remove every single barrier so your word can fall on a fruitful soil and we can all rejoice in the fruits that you have for us, Lord. I pray that in Jesus' name. Man, I love this text a lot because we all prayed in our life, Lord, give me a faith. And all right. And who of us wants to grow up in faith? Yeah. We all want that. We all want to grow up in faith. We've been in a situation where we said to Lord, increase our faith or give me more faith or just give me a faith, which means I feel like the amount of the faith that I have right now, it's not enough for what is in front of me. Give me more faith. We pray that. I'm so happy for this text. Okay, because apostles are in the same situation, asking Jesus to increase our faith. And I can see in what kind of soil faith can grow up. Now, what is very interesting here, he tells to them, you know, the, the stumbling blocks must come. You know, make sure that you're not a stumbling block, block to somebody's faith. Temptation must come, but make sure that you do everything you can. Uh, take care of yourself, how he says here. Pay attention to yourself, that you know the one who's going to make your brother or sister stumble. And then he says some things to them, and they, on account of that, they say, well, increase their faith. And it's not like that they just... Um, uh, vis uh, they just uh, be witness to some kind of great miracle. It's not like that he just healed somebody. It's not like that he performed some um, miracle or cast out demons or anything like that that we will connect to the great faith. He gave them a simple command which is in the line of the character of God. If somebody does something wrong to you, I want you to forgive him. And if somebody, forgive, uh, somebody does something wrong to you again and again and again, I want you to have the spirit of forgiveness so you can forgive again and again and again and again, which is nothing else 
but walking in the character of God who God is, which means what it means to be a Christian, a people who walks in the character of God. On something like that, they say, Lord, you got to increase our faith because if you don't increase our faith, we cannot do something like this. And then when you think about who are those people, okay? And then if you go back in Exodus 21 and you find verses like, you know, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, arm for arm, burn for burn, stripes for stripes, when God set up the, 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 the justice system to be on a basis of reciprocity, measure for measure, and those people do never grow up in understanding what the proper forgiveness is. They know what is the eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but to forgive somebody again and again and again and not ask for a justice. They never heard something like that. And behind themselves, they have the whole history, the whole culture, the whole mindset of generations and a generation, generations being born in the same pattern of their way of thinking. If somebody does something wrong to you, you have a right to ask back something. And now Jesus comes in their life and says, listen, pay attention. Pay attention to yourself because I'm bringing you something new. I know you knew. I know you grow up. I know this is your pattern of life. I know this is your way of thinking. I know this is your mindset. I know this is of your parents and grandparents and everybody else. But I bring you something new. And this new is the character of God. And the character of God says you got to learn to forgive. You got to have a spirit of forgiveness. And this Praise God in this moment, clever guys. Okay, they've not been so clever many times. But they are right to say, Lord, you gotta increase our faith. If you are gonna ask something like this to us, you better increase our faith because we don't know how to do something like this. Now, we need to ask the same questions ourselves today. Me as a Serb, me with my personal history, me with my upbringing, you with your cultural history, you with your personal upbringing and personal history, you got to ask yourself, what are those issues today? That if I hear, read them in the Bible, if I hear pastor, preacher from this place preaching those things, and I hear those things, I actually turn the deaf ear to them because it's too big and it's too scary and really doesn't go with the line of my heart and my upbringing. What are those issues for you guys? That when you hear them, you turn the deaf ear and you don't want to listen to that, okay? And you hope you're going to forget and you hope your conscience very clearly is going to kill that issue and you're going to forget quickly. Or you turn around to Jesus and you say, Lord, you got to increase my faith. Because, yeah, it's true. It's written here. But I never grew up like that. I never had in my heart potential to live in this character of God. I never had potential for something like that. In fact, my life and my potential and my character was something totally opposite of the character of God. <coughs> I never had any potential for that. I thought, I don't know what's that been and how to do that. Then is the moment when you're gonna turn the deaf ear to God or you're gonna say honestly to him, increase my faith, Lord. Because this is a good command. This is the character of God. But if you want me to live in that way, you got to increase my faith. And then, mostly, when you read this text and come to this increase of faith, we just 
go straight and we grab the first parable that Jesus tells them about the mustard seed. And we somehow not think that the, 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 the answer is somewhere here in these verses of mustard seed. If you have a mustard seed and if you have a faith like a mustard seed, you are able to say to the tree, uproot yourself and throw yourself in the river and the, the tree will obey you. And we ask ourselves, just like I asked myself so many times when I was young, okay, when I just started in the faith and we had the Bible studies and we come to something like us and endless discussion, what is the mustard seed faith and how big is that and where we are if we measure our faith with this, do I have a mustard seed faith or my faith is even not so big, you know, not even the mustard seed, and I'm a believer at all in everything, and then you spend a countless hours worrying and discussing how we believe at all or anything. No. This a little parable is just introduction to something else that Jesus wants to say. And in this little introduction, I think he says to them, well done, guys. You got it. The faith is a powerful thing. And if you have a faith just like a mustard seed, it's a powerful thing. And a faith is... Having that strong conviction in your heart who Christ is. Okay, that's what the faith is. It's more than that. Having that strong conviction, I know who he is. And then because I have a conviction who he is, I can trust him. And because I can trust him, I'm going to put my allegiance in him. Because word faith in the Greek is pistis. And one of the most common use of that word is allegiance. That means you trust somebody so much that you are in allegiance with him. You're in his team, in his army. You're with him on his side against his enemies. You're there with him. You're not going to sell him. You're going to stay with him. Doesn't matter what's happening on the other side. That's what the faith is, having a strong conviction that we know who he is. We taste Christ and he's good. And because he is good, I put everything where I have. I lean on him. And because I lean on him, I'm in allegiance with him. And Jesus said, listen, the first day of that allegiance, first minute, first second of that allegiance with me, you're on my team. And having me on your side and you on my side, it's a powerful thing. Doesn't matter, is it 10 years of the first day? It's a powerful thing. So that's the first thing he said to them, well done. Faith is a powerful thing. The second thing he's told them, you see, the faith you have is like a mustard seed. So that means you need to plant it. You need to cultivate it. You need to do something with that faith to grow up and be visible and be present and be big in your life. That's your responsibility. You got to do something about that. I give you mustard seed, but I want your heart to be very prepared soil that you're going to cultivate so well that the faith I give it to you is going to grow up in something wonderful, big, visible, that everybody can see and everybody can honor me because of your faith. And then he tells them another story. He tells them another story. And this story is, in fact, the main story. In this story, you're going to find what kind of heart you should have when the mustard seed faith falls on you your heart immediately starts increasing that faith is something bigger and it's a strange story and it's a great story and it's not the story that we 
like to hear because it talks so much about relationship between servant and master and obedience. And it's not like a very popular message today. I'd rather if you can give me, Lord, a, a, a quick answer how to increase my faith. And we do that. We do that. If somebody comes to, to us and says, I really need the faith for this, we say to them, let me pray for you. Okay, and we think that that's, that's the quick solution. Let me just pray for you, God's to give you faith. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, oh, great, you want a Christian faith? Let's pray. No, no, he tells them, if you want your faith to really grow up, I'll tell you about the lifestyle you need to have. And in that kind of lifestyle, your faith is going to grow up. So sometimes maybe when people come and say, can you pray for me? We should maybe step back a little bit and say, well, actually, let's talk about your life. Let's talk about where you're standing with God and the people. Let's talk about a certain elements of your life. Are you obedient to God? Are you in the right place with God? Are you standing where you should stand with Him? Maybe you feel like you don't have a control in life. Maybe you feel like you don't have a power to break those things that keeps you a prison. Maybe it's because your actually lifestyle is not in the line of obedience to God. Because he gives them a story about servant and a master. And the story goes like this. Which of you, having a servant plowing or tendering sheep, will say to him when he come in from the field, come at once and sit down and eat? No master will do that. But will he not rather say to the servant, prepare something for my supper? Greet yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and then afterward you can eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded to him? I think not. It's weird. Lord, increase our faith. Let me tell you a story, Jesus says. Let me tell you a story about the servant. Servant who knows why he works in a field. I worked in a field. Uh, to produce food. Why do I produce food? I produce food so I can feed my master. Why do I feed my master? Because he's a master in his service, and once when he's satisfied, he ate, then I'm free to take care of myself. There's the whole order that Jesus says. He's almost like a painting to them, the whole picture. This is how those things look like. And then he says something, and he says, so likewise you, and likewise us. He turns back to them. So that's how we know the answer to the question, increase our faith, slide down in this story. Likewise you, when you've done all those things which you are commanded, Jesus said that to his disciples. When you do all those things that you were commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done only what is our duty. On the question, increase our faith. So we can walk in the character of God, increase our faith. Jesus said, let me tell you. First, he says, well done. Faith is the powerful thing, and you're asking for the right stuff. But let me tell you how faith is growing up. Let me tell you what kind of soil this master, this, uh, master seed faith is growing. And that is a story of relationship between master and a servant. There is the three things we can learn here. The all three things are so powerful. If you have those three things in your life, 
you will see faith increasing in you. And you will see amazing things. You will see set free from so many things that in the past you didn't, you could not get set free. You will see that you're taking some new victories, that you're taking some new grounds in your life that in the past you could not take it. If you have those three elements in your heart, you will see some amazing things. And the first thing is the connection between faith and obedience to authority. And that takes us back to the Mark chapter 8, when Jesus came to Capernaum and met Roman centurion. And Roman centurion had a servant, and servant was a sick. And he asked Jesus, please, can you heal him? And Jesus says, yes, I will come and heal him. No, 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 you don't need to come. I know I'm unworthy. Just say from here, and he will be healed because I know who you are. And then later on, Jesus says, you know, I haven't found this kind of faith in whole Israel. And we think, well, that's, he said that because this guy is so humble and have a, such a great theological understanding of omnipresent and omnipowerness of Jesus. No. The verse 9, it's important verse here. And in the verse 9, there is a one little word that gives all the answers. And the verse 9 says, for I to am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to other, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does. And when Jesus hears that, he says, I haven't found this kind of faith in the whole Israel. You have Caesar, and under Caesar you have a legion commanders. And legion commanders has under him 6,000 soldiers. And between legion commander and 6,000 soldiers was 60 centurions. And everyone was responsible and has under himself 100 soldiers. And this Roman centurion says, no, 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 Jesus. I'm a man under authority. I'm a man under authority, my legion commander. And because I'm under that authority, I have authority to hundreds of my soldiers to say to them, go and do this and do that, and they will obey me. If I'm not under this authority, I will not have authority to tell them they will not listen to, to me. But because I'm under this authority, because I'm a man out of authority, he says, they obey me, they do. But he says, I too, I too am. Which, looking at Jesus, says, Jesus, I'm also a man under authority. He compares himself with Jesus. says, Jesus, you are a man of authority, un under authority. I'm also a man under authority. Which means he recognized Jesus as a man under authority. And seeing his example as a Roman centurion, he says, I know how authority works like. I know how powerful being under authority that I can command things and things happen. And you, Jesus, are the same. You're just like me, man under authority. And he probably hears so many stories about Jesus. From one side, he, he hears the stories. He's a great healer. He's a, he's a man of God. He's a servant of God. He's a prophet of God. He's the one who can command sickness, the sickness to go. He heard the stories, stories, and stories. On the other side, he probably heard the stories. He's demonic. He's right. He's a false prophet and everything. And this guy took those two things. No. 
He will not have a power to do those things if he's not man out of authority. But this man cast the sickness. <coughs> this man cast the demons. He has authority. And the only way to have authority is you under authority. And if he is under authority, he has authority to all those things, just like me. And Jesus said, wow, I never heard this kind of faith. 33 years he walked among Israel people. He didn't say to John the Baptist. He didn't say to his mother. He didn't say to the 12. He said to the soldier who understands authority and the power of faith and the power of authority. That if you want to have authority in your life, you got to be under authority. And I know that because I'll tell you maybe later on my experience, but I know that time when I wasn't under authority and my hands was happy to serve and to be obedient and everything else, but my heart was grumble. Grumble against people who God's put to be authority in my life. And I grumble and mumble. I was complaining in my heart. Yes, nobody could see that because my hands were serving so well. But my heart wasn't in the right place. And God built a case against me. The whole year he was building a case against me. And one day he sat me down and says, Lada, I have a case against you. He took the file and he reveals everything. And I understood. I understood the why I was so miserable, the why I didn't have authority, the why I felt like my, my faith doesn't produce fruits, why I feel like this Christianity is just uh, doesn't produce any kind of life in my life is because I was a man under authority. The moment when I repent and say sorry to the certain people and put myself in the right place, I saw things happening. There is a power in this. And now when you take this story and you bring back to the Jesus story we just read, tied up with what Jesus said to his disciples who desire increase of faith, Jesus says, all you have to do is to speak a word and the tree will jump and change the place. Who does this tree obeys? Well, if you go to the verse 9, to the one who did all things that were commanded to them. To that kind of people, the tree will obey and jump in the sea. So the first thing on a question, Lord, increase my faith. Jesus says, how are you standing with authority? Let me tell you a story, okay? That's where you're going to find the answer. The second thing, the powerful thing. Faith increases only when we complete what we are commanded to do. Only when we are obedient to the end. So, likewise you, Jesus said in finishing his parable, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, all those things, it's the full will of the master. Not portion, not just the one part. And we are famous for that, that we start things and we don't finish them. Am I right? We are famous for that, that God speaks something in our hearts and it's tough. And it's difficult. And we procrastinate. We don't want to do it. We wait. We start and not finish because, because we have all that enthusiasm in the beginning that becomes boring, that becomes too difficult, and it costs us too much, and then we just leave it. And then we move away from that, and there is always that little voice behind us that judging us. 
that we actually didn't listen to the voice of God and we didn't be obedient to the end. Abraham was called father of our faith. He got son one day. He waited so long for that son. Lovely boy. Enjoy every single moment with him. He will wake up in the morning happy because he will next to him. He loved that boy so much. One day, God came to him and said, I want you to take your son and I want you to sacrifice him. Do you know what's happened after that? Genesis 22, verse 3. It's one of the most puzzling and scariest verse in the Bible. It's a simple verse, but it's so scary. Because when God said to Abraham, I want you to take your son and crucify him. The next verse says, early next morning, Abraham saddled his monkey. Early next morning, God said something like that to him. He made sure to wake up early in the morning to put that plan and command in a, in a, in a process. If God said something like that to me, okay, and he never said something like that to me, but he said some scary things, but never on that level. <coughs> First, I will not sleep all night. Second, I will not rush to wake up early in the morning to do it, okay? I mean, just take a simple example that you need to say sorry to somebody. I will procrastinate. I will say to myself, let me check in my thick theological books what is the real true will of God. Let me just, will, will my God ever ask something like me, something like that from me? And I will spend a good week checking my theological books, what is the will of God. And then probably not find anything. That, then I will come in another clever plan. I will say, well, let's spend a three days fasting and seven days praying and see what is the will of God. Now it's clear. What is the will of God? But I need this just to kill that will of God, just to kill that voice, because it's not easy to be obedient. And then I will say, well, let's call some of my clever friends, and let's do that locally. Let's do that nationally. Let's call my international friends. Let's call my galactical friends. Let's check every single multiverse in the Marvel and say, what is the will of God? Just with a hope, with a hope, okay, that that thing will sort it out in itself with me getting involved. With that thing will somehow stop being such a huge emotional pressure and just disappear. The somehow, I'm not going to use those words, but kill the will of God in me. And just shut my heart down and shut my conscience down. Just kill my conscience slowly and just work very hard to forget that that's ever happened. Are we doing that? We're doing this kind of things. When the difficult word from God comes and we know what is the right thing to be done. But I can't go to the end. Three days he was walking to that mountain. Not one day. Not two, three days. You can imagine that hell of three days, walking and talking to yourself, God will provide. And all kind of ideas, voice of devil in your mind, 
conscience, past, everything was telling you something else you don't want to hear. Pressure of the little Isaac next to him. Dad, where are we going? Where are we going? <coughs> and you got to be brave and go to the end. Not first day, not second day. Third day when he raised his knife, God said, that's it, that's enough. You've been obedient to completion when he raised his knife. But oh boy, when you're obedient to the end, and that's another thing we know. When you're obedient to the end, the reward that comes after that is absolutely wonderful. The peace that comes after that is absolutely wonderful. The, 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 the new dimension of yourself that you discover when you're obedient to the end, it's absolutely wonderful. The new face of God you discover, it's absolutely wonderful, priceless, priceless. Look what's happened to Abraham. God spoke to him, and we love that. We love, man. Our hearts know so clearly God spoke to me. You walk tall. You walk brave. Nothing can shake you anymore. You walk through the life knowing God is next to me because I heard his voice. Unstoppable. Whatever world is throwing on you, whatever devil is showing you, you don't care because God spoke to me. Reality of God is with me. God sworn to him. God sworn to the human being. I swore with myself I will do those things. That came as reward of total obedience to God. God shared his <coughs> internal play, uh, plans for the humankind, shared with the human being, with Abraham. Huge reward. God said, I'm going to bless you, and through him he blessed us. All those things came as a reward of total obedience to the end. Do you see how powerful is this? When you've done, Jesus said to disciples who wanted the faith to grow up, when you've done everything that is commanded to you. Those things are powerful. Simple act of obedience to completion, powerful. This is how you're growing up in God. This is how God is growing in your life. This is so powerful that without the third thing I'm going to say, this can be so dangerous. It can consume you. Because this kind of faith that you can see amazing things happening through you can consume you if don't you have the proper protection of attitude of humility. You got to have the attitude of humility to protect you. Because once we understand how the faith, powerful faith works, the powerful faith is when you put yourself under your authority. That when you act obediently to the end, opens the door to the amazing things. There is a danger for you and I to grow up in pride. Oh, so easy. So easy to be tricked in that. It's because of me. It's because of my spiritual discipline. It's because who am I? It's because my charisma. It's because this, it's because that, all these great things are happening through me. You gotta have this attitude of humility. We are nothing except unworthy servants, unprofitable servants. We have only done what is our duty. And that to remain lonely in your heart is just a, such a valuable place to be to see how faith is growing up in you. I don't know if you, 
If you do a little study of how Paul saw himself in his letters, you come to the very amazing and interesting, interesting conclusion. In uh, AD 56, he writes to Corinthians. And writing to Corinthians, he says about himself, he says, I'm the least of all apostles. And that was around 10, 11 years before he died. 10, 11 years before he died, he said to himself, I'm a list of all apostles. And that's not a figure of speech. That is a Paul honest heart and honest look of himself. And then you and I will look and say, Paul, what on earth are you talking about? You've done more than anybody else. And yeah, he's aware of that. He says, I've done more than anybody else because of me it was a grace of God who works through me. Paul, you've done so much. Yeah, but I'm a list of all apostles. And then you go to Ephesians, which is a five to six years before he died, AD 62. And he writes to Ephesians, says to me, who I'm the least of the least of all saints, the grace was given. He looks, he says to me, who am least than all of you guys who are sitting here, the grace was given. And just in that five years between those two dates, he have changed so much. But you see Paul who progressively, how he works and God's doing amazing things through him. Achieving so much, he saw it. It wasn't me. I'm just an earthly vessel. It wasn't me. It was this treasure in this worldly vessel who does all these things. It wasn't me. It's God. It's the grace of God. And how this man is growing in humility with every single year closely to his death. And then to Timothy, just before he died in 66. He writes and says, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Oh, who am I? I'm the chef, chef, chef. I'm a chef, 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 chef. I'm a chief of all sinners. And Paul, how can you get in a place like that? Well, if you walk with God and you are closer to that light, the closer you get to that light, that light just revealed, the more and more of the refined sin in you. It's just popping up on the surface. And the more and more you're surprised of that love, how can you love me? How can you love me? And the more and more you look into that moment when the new body will come and sinful, nation, nation, and <laughs> sinful nature totally disappear. But the more and more you're walking with God, the more and more you understand, man, I'm just an earthly vessel. And the only thing that's really worth in me is just that God's presence, His glory that shines in me and do the amazing works through me. And then you remember yourself a psalmist who says, you know, that to the humble, He show His ways. This is what we need to have, guys. And I, my, my, my prayer, I said to myself, I always said to myself, when I, when I discover those things, I, I said to myself, every single time you have opportunity, only once to be in some church, I would love to tell them this. Because I would love God to pass to Cambridge one day 
and come here and look at your lives and life of this church. And he said, wow. To drop his jaw and says, I haven't found this kind of faith in England. Because you put yourself in that kind of place. You clean the soul of your heart in such a great way that that mustard seed, you cultivate the soil of your life. Soil of your life in that kind of way. The faith that God's planted in you many, many years ago. It's now beautiful, big, 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 big tree that everybody can see. And everybody can marvel how beautiful is the garden of trees of those people, individual lives that he builds them here in this church. We need that. So let's work on that, guys. As I told you, God built case against me. I'm not ashamed to say those things. And maybe while I'm saying those things to you, God is working in your hearts and you know, yeah? Yeah, I know what you mean. I know that there is often unhappiness in my heart with the certain things. And it's so easy to say, yeah, I'm obedient to God and I'm under God's authority. That is so easy. You can twist that in so many ways. But you see that through how obedient you are and how much you are under the authority of the people that God's put in your life to be certain kind of authority for a certain season or whatever. You know that. So I say work on yourself. You know how much you are quick to procrastinate and to kill that conscience in you when God says, you got to do something. Well, what I learned one thing, and that's, that's the image I always says in my mind when, when God's come and, and, and provoke me with something, it's to cut safety net. I cut safety net quickly. If God's come and says something, I cut the safety net. I take the phone and I say, listen, I need to see you next week. And there is no way back after that. Or, or anything. I need to have something difficult that needs to be done. I do something that there is no way back. Because I want to learn that instant obedience. And trust God that he is a powerful and mighty. And that is always going to deliver. Always going to provide sacrifice that needs to be provided. And I can tell you that every single time when now it's, 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 it's almost like it's almost like naturally coming to me every single time when I face something difficult. The memories come from the past. I always remember. We are so quick to forget those things. The memory comes from the past, which always tell me, you've been in this kind of situation before, do you remember? And the, the sky didn't fall down on your head. God was faithful that he's going to be faithful again. Seriously, it comes to my mind. Doesn't mean it's easy, but at least my conscience, my memory reminds me, you've been there before. Yeah, I know right now it looks like it's a huge emotional scare and a fight, but it was like that before. And God delivered. He's going to deliver again and again and again. And that's beautiful learning, which we need to help one another to learn to walk in a humility. That's why we need to keep eyes on one another and help one another because it's a scary thing, man. It's a scary thing. It's a scary thing that God's raised you up so high one day just to fall down from that place. And there's so many examples around us about that. Let's not do that. Let's be the brothers and sisters who look after one another and feeds one another and not be so much quick that on the questions of, can you pray for me? I need faith. Yeah, of course, pray for people to have faith. 
But just take one step back and ask maybe a question, how are you doing with God? Is there anything else in your life that is not functioning very well? And just challenge with the love and care and beauty and all your heart have for those people. Challenge them in their walk with God. Because we need to encourage one another and keep one another because the world is scary outside. And devil wants to stumble us down and step on us. We need to take care of one another in love and care so we can all pass the finishing line together. Amen. As a part of that, we're going to take communion now. And communion has many dimensions. The one of the dimensions of communion is that we examine ourselves. Well, here we go. Use that today. Let's today start with this process. Take communion and allow communion to have bigger and a special meaning. I think there is a mystery behind communion that we will not understand until we go to heaven. But let's mix this seed of mustard seed faith and this message we heard tonight. Let's mix with communion wine and bread of Christ and see what will happen, which means, Lord, I'm taking this bread, I'm taking this wine, but also bring myself to you in a context of the word just I hear. And I pray and I want to be the one who grows in faith. And let's have another image in our mind, and that is that Christ is coming back. And that is another picture of communion. We take communion to remind ourselves that he's coming back. But we want him to come back, not just for me, but for my brother and my sister, the person left and right from me, the person that God's put it as a part of my life. I want collectively all of us to hear. So I take responsibility for myself and brothers and sisters. I take responsibility. When God comes to us, he's going to say to us, come in your rest my faithful servants. Let's take communion and have those images in our mind. And if you want to have some ministry time, prayer or whatever, if you are brave, you want to come and pray for something, we can have some ministry time after communion. <laughs>